Welcome to Life is More, a five-minute Christian devotional hosted by Steve Martin. We're glad you're here. Now, here's Steve. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad you could join me again today as we're doing our devotional time, getting ready for our small group on Sunday. I wanted to follow up with our reflections on Moses. And again, not so much just on Moses, but a lot of times his reaction uh, to the grumbling of the people. Uh, as we come out of our COVID season and we head into something new, it doesn't mean that we as a country or we as Christians or we as people in general are going to be able to move forward and not be mad about things, not be grumbly about things. And and that's not anything new for us, right? It doesn't make our country terrible or we are worse humans than those who've gone before. We see all the way back in the time of Moses that as the Israelites left Egypt, they could be very grumbly. Uh, they could be very upset and very frustrated. And, and that's because there were some real hardships going on. And we as humans can respond that way quite often. So today I want to take a look from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 to 6. And now the Israelites are in the desert. They've made it across the Red Sea. They are moving toward the Promised Land. They're in the desert. And it says, The whole community set out for the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. And they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. That's a problem. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I supposed to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And verse 5 says, The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. And go, I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. The people are frustrated again. You know, this comes up quite a bit. If if you've studied this part of Scripture, uh, quite often they are asking Moses, like, why are we doing this again? Like, why did you bring us out? Like, as if slavery was that great. But sometimes what we face up ahead, you know, it's just it's filled with those new problems like we talked about yesterday, and so we don't really know what to do with it other than to be mad and complain and frustrated. And so here are the people, they're mad because they have a problem they really can't fix. And they don't necessarily trust God at this point to take care of it because they don't see how God can take care of it. There's no watering holes, there's no rivers, there's no lakes, there's nothing. There's just plain no water. And let's face it, water is a pretty basic necessity. Their journey depended on having water, and there was just none to be found. And people just don't survive. We don't survive more than three days without water. That's pretty critical. Now, God in this story showed that he can produce water out of anything, even out of a rock. He didn't need anything. He could produce the water. But the for the people, they couldn't see, and that didn't even register to them, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, God will just get us water from this rock. They're reasonably, they're looking around, they just don't see anything. They don't see any possibilities. They don't see the, the basic building blocks that they assume God could use to give them what they need. And so they're frustrated, and they're upset, and they're nervous, and they're scared. And quite frankly, the problem is real. The people are feeling it. They are actually thirsty, it's said in Scripture. 
and they're worried for themselves. They're worried for their children. They're worried for their livestock. And I want you to note, God hasn't given them any clear plan here, other than just go out in the desert and I'll lead you. I mean, there's no identifiable plan for getting water. Not even Moses seems to know what the plan is. Did you catch that? Like, He's going to God like, hey, is there a plan? They're about to kill me here. Like, if you've got a plan, it might be good. Moses doesn't know. And he has to come to God to ask, what's the plan? And I want you to catch that in this text. Moses is asking God, like, what's the plan? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. Now, of course, God responds to the need. And the need that God wanted from Moses or the reaction he was looking for, wasn't this wasn't a case of just sit back and be quiet and God will take care of it all. It was actually a case of be engaged with God and ask God. That's what's going on. In the midst of their fear, Moses was the one with the courage and the faith to talk with God about it. Right? Our conversations with God are important. And sometimes uh, responses from God are triggered because we've been talking to him. It doesn't mean God isn't already aware of the problem, but sometimes I, I get this feeling that some of the spiritual perspective is we just sit and we're patient, almost, and this is going to be a dramatic kind of uh, connection, I don't mean to overstate it, but sometimes almost like that baby bird that's just sitting in the nest with its mouth open, squawking, like, just feed me, feed me. And and I get it. Sometimes that's how we should be with God. He will feed us. But really, God is trying to develop us and grow us into his people, into his ambassadors, into people who are sharing in this mission with him. And I don't think we're ever going to get there if we just sit back and we don't participate. And the beginning of participation is communicating with God. It's talking with him about things we don't understand. It's about engaging in the conversation with him. And it's in that engagement that God responds. And if we don't engage him and we just expect him to do everything, there's a missing piece there. And so as we take a look at this idea of being interactive with God, we're thinking about that idea that he calls us to engage in an actual relationship with him and an actual mission with him. And those things begin, if we're going to participate with God, they begin with communication. They begin with us asking questions, with us listening to what God has to say in the different ways that he says it, and acting on the things that he gives us the impulse to act on through his spirit. We, in essence, we participate. So I'm wondering today, how, how interactive is your relationship with God these days? And does your prayer time with God reflect a relationship that's capable of allowing you to ask puzzling questions, not in a demanding way, but in an honest conversational way, and then humbly listening and waiting and letting God reply and letting God act and do something, finding out how God will respond? That's the kind of relationship we want to develop not just be ones who complain about problems and expect him to fix it, but engage in a conversation with him to help be part of the solution. Let's pray. God, thank you again for reminding us how much you love us and how you are growing us as your people. And I pray that our prayer life this week will continue to be the kind of prayer life that seeks a relationship with you, a two-way communication and a dialogue that allows us to really bring honest questions when we don't see how problems are going to get fixed or 
or the path we should go. And Father, we trust that you will respond in that conversation in amazing ways. And so be with us this week, Father, and we thank you in Jesus. Amen. All right, thanks for joining me today. I'll talk to you one more time tomorrow.